All right, all right, all right. Hello, how you guys doing? Welcome to another episode of Brian Carter 99, a 49ers podcast. Hope you're having a good night. If I sound a little bit tired, it's because I am. I'm exhausted. It's like 9 p.m. on Sunday night, and I went running today. I ran a mile down to this local college and did a bunch of like I'm a little bit psycho. I'm trying to get in really good shape. So I was going down there and I did like sprints and like shuttles and a whole bunch of like push-ups and like three cone drills and stuff because I want to be, I want to pretend like I'm a football player, even though I'm obviously not. I'm just a 32-year-old who works in an office. (laughs) But don't, don't you dare mistake me being a little bit exhausted for a lack of enthusiasm because yesterday we had football and it was really fun. So I just want to talk. I watched the entire game. I rewatched the highlights like three times. I watched every single Trey Lance snap uh, two or three times. I even watched them in like slow motion, like three quarters speed because you can do that on YouTube Uh, just so I could really really see kind of what happened in this game so sit back enjoy I'm just going to talk about everything that went on what we saw and uh, I just gotta say it was (sighs) it was so fun to have football again oh I know you know how I feel like It feels so good to be excited, be excited for the season. And just like ever since the Super Bowl loss, it's been kind of depressing for our team. And this is probably the most excited I've been since, like I mentioned last time, like week two of last year. Because last year, like week one wasn't all that great against the Cardinals. And then week two, it was like everyone got hurt and it was just downhill. And it wasn't a fun season. It was a depressing season. But now we got a team back. It's a good team. Everyone's healthy. There's no serious injuries. And we got this Trey kid who's fucking awesome. So, um, yeah, let's just, let's get into it. And I'm just chilling here, having a beer. And like I said, I watched a ton of this. And I'm just going to go through all my notes and everything. So, first thing, just real quick, a lot of starters didn't play. Uh, the inactive list was huge. And the starters that did play only played about five or 10 snaps, so they weren't in very long. So I don't even want to worry about the starters. Uh, The one thing that I will say about the starting offense is it looked exactly like a Jimmy Garoppolo Shanahan offense. So Jimmy was three for three for 28 yards. He threw the ball four yards past the line of scrimmage and then got a bunch of yards after catch. So... Yeah, I was I was really hoping to see something exciting out of Jimmy, but we didn't. But, you know, it is what it is. And to be fair, again, you know, missing a lot of starters, people sitting out and all that kind of stuff. But it was I was really hoping for more from Jimmy. But, you know, whatever it is what it is. So let's get right into it. Trey, this is probably the biggest, most important. This is the biggest, most important thing to happen this year was a historical draft and trade. I mean, we traded three first round picks to move up to three to get this kid. And this is the first time that we get to see him in a Niners uniform. He looked good out there and wow. So 
His, his stat line is not all that great, and it wasn't all pretty. But what he did do, he put some really, really impressive stuff out there, and he showed you everything that you wanted to see. So, what did we wanted to see? Uh, we wanted to see his arm. What's his arm like? Holy crap. His arm is ridiculous. He wasn't throwing bullets out there. He wasn't throwing lasers. He was throwing fucking rockets. Like, he was throwing the ball with so much velocity that the freaking TV couldn't even pick up the ball flying through the air. It was ridiculous. And his arm strength? Dude, so, just real quick. So, first pass play of the entire game. What happens? So, it was a drop. So what happened is they hike the ball. It's a short little play action thing. He buys a little bit of time. Pressure's coming. So what does he do? He rolls out and kind of buys a little bit of time, rolling out to the right, and then he fires a fucking rocket to Ayuk. And Ayuk drops it, which was surprising because Ayuk rarely drops it. My guess, Ayuk didn't expect it to be coming at his hands so fast, and it was a concentration drop drop. I don't think that happens again. I think that and you the instant that you saw that, like Trey looked at Ayuk and he was just like, it's all good. You know, thumbs up. And Ayuk's not gonna drop that again. So but geez, like just buying the time, the mobility, moving around in the pocket, and then firing a freaking rocket like 14 yards. Or it was like 13 yards, I think I wanna say. And just like like bam it was like it was fucking there it was incredible so they go three and out on that first drive and then the highlight and if you haven't seen it go fucking watch it like go watch it yesterday if you haven't seen it because this was everything that we have wanted to see out of Trey so what happens his wow touchdown his 80 yard touchdown second pass in the nfl it was an 80 fucking yard touchdown <laughs> wow so it's uh it's like a naked boot rollout you know you do the play action fake and you roll out to the naked side and he had i believe it was dwelly was the one blocker who was there and first off the fake was good so one thing that's great about trey and one of the reasons why they picked up trey was because he was so comfortable doing the play action, doing the rollouts, doing the boots. He's got a good play fake. He knows how to sell a fake. Jimmy does a good job selling the fake too. But Trey does a good job selling the fake. So there's only like one guy, and I think it was a linebacker for the Chiefs, who actually realized like, oh, it's a fake. And so he starts running at him, and Dwelly's there to block. Trey is not going to stare down his receiver. He keeps looking straight ahead and holds the deep middle safety with his eyes and just waits and sits there and then turns to Sherfield, who beats his guy and has about one to two steps of separation and launches a freaking missile. This ball traveled 50 yards in the air. Jimmy could never make this throw in his life. It was a rocket, and it was incredible. And Sherfield, like I said, he managed to get one or two steps of separation, and 
he caught it in stride and he was gone. He took off for the final like 30 yards or whatever for the touchdown. But he literally threw a rocket 50 yards in the air. It was awesome. It was so awesome. It was everything we've wanted to see. We were like, what can this Trey kid do? Cool. First throw, buys little time, shuffles out, fires a ball to Ayuk who drops it. Like, okay, that looks good. He can move around a little bit. He's got an arm. Second pass, rolls out, stands there, launches a missile 50 yards for an 80-yard touchdown. So, like, that was everything we wanted to see, and it was freaking incredible. Go watch it. I've probably seen it 15 times by now. It's one of the biggest highlights of the entire preseason weekend, and... It was it was just awesome. We'll be we'll be watching that play and talking about it for a long time. No matter how many incredible plays, it's gonna be like, hey, do you remember his first NFL touchdown? His second pass in the NFL when he threw that 80-yard touchdown and launched it 50 yards? It was awesome. So, anyways, um, the one thing I so with the ball, so I wanted to see pocket mobility, check. He was great. With pocket mobility, buying time, he can move in, move out. You know, he's got great mobility in the pocket. He's quick. He's really quick in tight spaces, and he's good at moving around. Um, and the velocity, he throws a fastball. Like, his arm is ridiculous. And I wanted to see how it looked in the NFL, because obviously in his college table, like, yeah, it looked good. But how, did it, how does it look in the NFL? It looks fucking awesome. It looks so good. So good. Wow. Uh, the one thing I will say is some of his balls, they're a little bit wobbly. Like the one that he threw to Sherfield, like that was a little bit of a wobbler. And I don't know why, but it is kind of interesting because he's able to throw it so fast, so hard, and he's still able to be pretty accurate, even, even on his wobbly balls. <laughs> I just realized that sounds pretty bad. But even on the wobbly passes that he throws, they're still accurate and they still have a lot of velocity. But I wonder if they're going to work a little bit on like his hand placement or something. Because I have noticed that some of the some of the balls that he throws have ended up being a little bit wobbly. It's not a huge concern. It's just an observation. But holy crap, like it's <laughs> his college nickname was Smoke. Because the ball was the ball goes so fast out of his hand that there's smoke coming off of it, and yeah, yeah, we saw that. So some other things that happened. Uh, so his stats for the game were kind of misleading. He had some drops and he had a couple screen passes that counted as runs. So his stat line for the night was five for 14 for 128 yards and a touchdown. He also took four sacks. Now, he had three drops, and we're going to break down every one, and he had two screen passes that counted as rushes. He also threw two almost interceptions, so that would be like, I think PFF calls it like a turnover-worthy play. He had two of those where he got lucky that he didn't get picked off. So if we take care of... If we just presume, again, this is all hypothetical. This is just basically like, if we count the screens as passes, and if we say that the receivers caught the drops because they should have caught them, they were drops, so that's on the receiver, his stat line 
could, and I think you could argue that his performance stat line, so not his actual stat line, but his performance of what he did as a quarterback, not 10 or not five out of 14 for 128, but instead 10 of 16, because you figure three drops, that's up to eight completions, and then the two screens count those. And I'm doing just off of where they caught the ball, assuming that the receivers didn't get any additional yardage. He would have been 10 of 16 for 180 yards, which is about 12 yards per attempt, which is pretty good. One touchdown, but also two interceptions. So his performance in terms of what he did as a quarterback could have been 10 of 16. That's about a 62.5% completion ratio, 180 yards, which is about 12 yards per attempt, one touchdown, and two interceptions. So solid, not great, but I don't really care too much about his performance because this is his first NFL action ever, and he's going to learn from it. And I'm going to break down every one of the drops and every one of the sacks that he took and each one of the interceptions that almost happened. Um, because I went back and rewatched each of them in slow motion like three or four times and took notes on exactly what happened. So we're going to break down those plays that weren't counted on the stat sheet. And uh, also his four sacks. We're going to go over that. Also something interesting, he didn't run at all. Like not a single run. He didn't. He had no designed runs, which there was a ton of in college. His one year in college where he played the full season, he had 1,100 rushing yards and 14 rushing touchdowns. And he had a whole lot of designed QB runs, whether that was like a zone read. He did a lot of QB powers, like QB power, uh, QB draws, things like that. Not a single designed run. What really surprised me, though, was that he didn't even scramble. Like, not a single time did he try to run out of the pocket to get yardage. Excuse me. I wonder a little bit if Shanahan said, hey, I don't, we're not going to do any designed runs this game, and I want you to not scramble. I only want you to work from the pocket because we want to make sure that you can win from the pocket. And I think they're also trying not to show off his running skills in the preseason. Number one, they don't want him to get hurt, even though he's a big kid. I don't think he would. But they also want to keep some secrets and kind of keep it on the lowdown. Because if they start putting film out of them doing like zone reads and like how fast he is, I think they want to like kind of keep that as a secret for when he does play. Because remember, they said he will play this year. We don't know how much. Uh, but he is going to play. They have designed packages for him. I'm pretty sure Shanahan never would have even drew up that 80-yard touchdown for Jimmy. Or if he did, Jimmy would have hit Ayuk underneath for about 10 or 15 yards. Because Ayuk was open underneath, and he was like, nah. No, 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 no. Fuck that. Sherfield's getting me an 80-yard tutty. So, anyways, no running, which was interesting. Also... I did notice he doesn't look comfortable in the two-minute drill. So this was the same thing that happened in practice this last week. And they had talked about was that Trey Lance had been impressing on 11 and 11s and in the practice stuff. But when it came to the two-minute drill, Trey was not as good. Now, Shanahan did mention that he thinks that a lot of that is just because in college they blew people out. Like they were 
totally dominant. He was undefeated in college, and they won the national championship. So because they dominated everyone, he never had to do one of those crunch time. He didn't really have to do those crunch time two-minute drills. And he was able to just run, run, you know, like hand off to the running back, QB power, play action, deep shot. And he did a lot of that in college. Now that's good because he looks really comfortable out of play action, but he doesn't really look as comfortable in the two-minute drill, and he also didn't look very comfortable out of shotgun. Now, he also didn't do as much uh, out of a shotgun as a lot of other college quarterbacks. So I think part of the reason why he struggled on those is just because he hasn't passed as much in a two-minute. He hasn't had to do two-minute drills, and he hasn't had to. He didn't throw as much out of the shotgun because he did so much under center and so much play action. But I think it was a really good experience for him because. Obviously, he's going to need to learn how to do these things. It's one reason why, at the moment, Jimmy is the starter, is Jimmy has experience, and he's good in, like, a two-minute drill. So, that was something to notice. Also, very, very big thing, I understand that his interior offensive line was terrible, and he was basically playing behind the second and third string offensive lines, and they were terrible, but he needs to recognize Blitz's a lot quicker and dump off, dump the ball off to the undercover guy or throw it away. He took four sacks and three of them were blitzes. So, or at least two of them. Two of them, it was, it was a blitz six where they sent the entire defensive line as well as both linebackers. And he just took it and he had a guy open underneath on each of those. And I know he only had like two maybe two and a quarter, two and a half seconds before he took a sack. But he had a guy wide open. If he would have been like, shit, blitz, he could have just like lofted it real quick and probably picked up and not got that sack. So he needs to get better at picking up blitzes. I think it's one of the things that they're going to focus on a lot this uh, this week when they're looking at his film is being like, hey, Trey, here's how you pick up a blitz because Kansas City was bringing it. And, uh, yeah, the terrible protection. He had four sacks that just, he had no time, like two seconds flat, maybe two and a half seconds. And I think the average time to throw in the NFL is about 2.5, Actually, I think it's higher than that. I think the fastest in the NFL is like 2.5. So if you have less than 2.5 seconds, you're, you're probably getting sacked. I think in average, you probably have like three or four seconds of blocking realistically in the NFL. Um, and yeah, he had like, so yeah, just something that I'm sure he's going to use as a learning point. So <clears throat> like I said, I did go back and I rewatched his basically every single one of his plays. First thing I want to review is the four sacks that he took. So the first one was pretty early on. They blitzed six. So there was six guys sent at him. It was obviously the entire defensive line, and they sent two linebackers. <clears throat> now, Chris Jones, who is one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL, he's just a monster in the Kansas City on the middle, and he's one of the reasons why I believe we lost the Super Bowl is because he was destroying Mike Person and pressuring Jimmy Wright in his face. So Chris Jones beat Brunskill pretty much instantly. Like He just like shoved him back and threw him aside. And Trey only had two seconds. Now, 
he did have Jawan Jennings open underneath after his three step back. So he was in shotgun. The ball gets hiked, step back, one, two, three. They send the entire blitz of six. And I don't know the exact route that Jennings was running, but it looked like it was like maybe a drag route or just like a quick in. But he was literally right behind all six of the blitzers and he was running wide open right in front of him. And I know two seconds is not very long. This is a teaching moment. And, but if he would have recognized like step back one, two, three, shit, this is a blitz. Let me just, I see Jennings just like right open right there and just flick it over the top real quick to Jennings. He could have got that and Jennings probably would have picked up another five, six, eight yards. So teaching moment, but again, they blitz six. Chris Jones beat Brunskill and he had about right after his three-step drop, he had maybe like a split like half a second where he could have flicked it over to Jawan Jennings, but he didn't recognize it fast enough. So Chris Jones fell on him. It's okay. Again, rookie, this was Geez, I don't even know, like his first or second rep. <clears throat> so either way. So that was the first sack that he took. Second sack that he took, another blitz six. This one was out of an empty set. So they had an empty set and Kansas City sent six. Now, it's a little bit risky because obviously if you're sending six out of an empty set, he's got five receiving options available. But they got there. Same thing, he had basically two seconds flat, but he did have Gallman, again, cutting across short, like on a, on a drag or a quick in, and Gallman was open underneath. And he could have just, again, flicked it over real quick at the end of his three-step drop. And by the way, I rewatched these in like slow motion, like six times, just to like make sure that I was to make sure that he could actually get to his drop, recognize the blitz, see Gallman open underneath, and he could have tossed it over. He only had like maybe like a now, now, like that much time to recognize it, but he did have that split second where, again, learning moment. It's okay. He's a rookie, first time in the NFL, you're getting blitzed, like nothing wrong. I'm just saying these are teaching moments and these are things that he should be able to get better at. Um, third sack. Now, this one was this one was a lot more difficult uh, to realize. So the third sack, the left tackle, rookie, fifth rounder, Jalen Moore, basically got beat instantly off the snap. Whoever 92 Ward on the Chiefs, that defensive end, he was so fast up the snap. He, he looked like... You remember how fast D Ford fires out outside and like beats guys with a speed rush? That's what he looked like. Like he fired so fast. It looked like the offensive line hadn't even moved yet. So he beats more with a real quick, just like speed, like pow off the line. And Moore is trying to like recover, recover. Now he was in kind of like a pistol formation. So he had... It was either Gallman or Sermon to his right, and then he had Warner to his left, almost like a pistol formation. So he had those two guys. It was like a, it was like the running back on the right, and then the 
Warner playing a fullback was to the left. <clears throat> now, part of the reason why it was difficult for Jalen Moore and for this play was because Charlie Warner, what Charlie Warner could have done, and I think Juszczyk would do this if he was in there because he's a lot better than Warner and he has more experience and he's able to pick these plays up. But Warner should have recognized, hey, left tackle's getting beat badly. He's already beat him around the edge. I'm here. I should check him before I take off on my little flat route. Instead, what Warner did was he tried to go through, like, between Jalen Moore and the guard. And there was a big gap there. But he almost tripped Jalen Moore, which made it even more difficult for Jalen Moore to try and, like, keep the guy from beating him around the edge. And... Trey barely even had, Trey didn't even have a chance to look to his left. And by the time he like turned his head, the guy was basically on him. So I would say left tackle got beat. That was really bad. And Charlie Warner should have helped out by checking the rusher. But I don't know if that was his assignment. I will say that what he, what Trey could have done since the left tackle got beat so bad, but the interior offensive lineman had created a little bit of a wall, his, uh, I would say like his, his 10 to 12 o'clock was basically open once he had finished his drop, but he kept dropping back, I think a couple steps more than he should have. If he would have moved up and moved to like his like 10, 11 o'clock, like that kind of area, if you're like, thinking like a clock, he could have moved up in there and then uh, done like a check down to Warner because Warner was out on a flat and he was wide open. Um, but again, it was it was one of those things where it was so fast. It was like bam, bam, bam. And he had two seconds. Like it was literally two seconds. That was it. It was barely any time. But again, with experience and with how athletic he is, I think he's going to learn from that, and next time that happens, he's going to step up. He's going to step up, step to his left, check down to Warner, and then, you know, get a yard versus getting a sack. And Warner, hopefully he learns, like, hey, I know I'm supposed to go out on this rush here, but maybe I should check this guy, you know, give him a good, like, shoulder shove and help my left tackle so that way my quarterback has an extra half second. So, anyways, that was the third sack. The fourth sack was just a really bad play by the rookie Aaron Banks. And Aaron Banks wasn't very good in this game. He was, there was some plays where he was good, like he looked like he did in college where he just walled off a guy. But there were also plays where he just got beat bad. And on the fourth sack, Aaron Banks just got beat instantly. And it was a strip sack. And Trey didn't even have two seconds. So again, this is like hike 1,000, two strip sack. Like, no time. Receivers don't have time to get open. He had no time. It was just a really bad play by Banks. So, yeah, there you go. So those are the four sacks that he took. Next up, I want to go over the drops. Now, I'm counting three. There's kind of a fourth that I'm going to throw in as well. So the first one was the one to Ayuk. So, again... Very first passing play of his NFL career. 
uses a little mobility, buys some time, throws a bullet to Ayuk, Ayuk drops it, and Ayuk is probably gonna never do that again. So I'm not worried too much about that. He showed off great stuff on that play, just in terms of mobility, moving up, evading the rush, and just like firing a rocket. He maybe could a little bit put a little bit more touch on the pass, but at the same time, there was three guys coming down on Ayuk. There was, I think, one guy in trail, two more guys coming down. And he got it to he got it to Ayuk quick on time to where Ayuk could catch it and then, you know, go down and get a first down. It would have been a 13-yard completion if he had caught it. Probably wouldn't have gotten any yards after catch, but if Ayuk caught it, probably would have been a 13-yard gain. Second drop. The second drop was also interesting. Show again, he showed some mobility. So they had a play action. They had a play action. He rolls out to his left. He ends up having, I think this was another like naked boot where there was like nobody defending the backside that he rolls out to. So one of the defenders realizes this is a rollout and waits in case it's a fake. And Trey gets back. And so now this guy's coming at him. And then another guy is coming at him from the, from the right. So he's got a guy coming from the left and a guy who ends up going all the way around and comes in from the right. So what does he do? He steps up, steps up, buys a little bit more time, turns and chucks a ball over to uh, River Craycraft, who is in the flat. And it wouldn't have been a big completion. It was probably only going to be like two or three yards, but Craycraft drops it. So it was a bummer. But again, the athleticism that he showed off, the mobility that he showed off, the ability to buy time, evade pressure, evade sacks in the pocket, it showed up. It looked really good. And it was a little bit of a drop uh, by Craycraft. Third drop, and this one pissed me off because I'm sick of Ricky, Richie James. I've been, I've been on the Richie James train for years and I'm officially off that train and I don't want him on the team anymore. I hope he gets cut and he's not on the team because he keeps fucking dropping balls. He's dropped like five balls in practice and he dropped a ball in this game and I'm fucking sick of it. Richie James needs to be gone. Him and Travis Benjamin, there's no reason they're on the team. Uh, so anyways, Richie James... Uh, he drops back, he gets under pressure because they send five, so they blitz with a fifth rusher, and he throws a perfect pass on like a 10-yard out to Richie James, and it would have been a first down, and it hits him in the hands at the sideline, so that way he had, you know, just enough time to catch it, toe, 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 and then out of bounds, and Fucking Richie James drops the ball, just goes through his hands. And I'm done. I'm done with Richie James. I can't do it anymore. I just, he's been on the team three years. He's a mediocre returner. He had that one really cool touchdown return and that one really cool game against, I think it was Green Bay when he was the only wide receiver on the team and he racked up a lot of yards. But other than that, He's been so inconsistent that they haven't used him, and I'm sick of him. So that's the third drop. Now, the fourth drop, um, I don't know if I'm going to call this a drop or not, just because the defender did break up the pass. Um, but it was his final play of the game. It was a third and five, and Travis Benjamin was on a quick slant, and... 
it was hard to see because of the TV angle. But Travis Benjamin, he put it, I want to say, in front of him enough that Travis Ben. Let me put it this way. Ayuk or Debo would have made that catch. Ayuk or Debo would have made that catch. Because he had his guy beat. The guy was in trail. So the guy was trailing him. And then when the ball got to his hand, the defender reached out and broke up the pass. Now, I don't know if you want to call that a drop or a pass breakup, but Ayuk or Debo, they would have made that catch. So I don't know if we're counting that one or not, but either way, that was that was the other one. So, heck, if you say he counted that, then he would have been like 11 to 16, and then you're talking about like a 65% completion ratio, which is pretty good. Cool. So those are his drops. Now, the drops are frustrating, but they're not his fault. Uh, the things that are his fault are the two almost interceptions. I'm going to have a quick sip of my beer here. Which, by the way, tonight I've got a limited edition Twilight Ale out of Deschutes Brewery. And uh, Deschutes is semi-local. It's out of Bend, Oregon. I'm in the Pacific Northwest, so I figured I would try it out because it's always fun to have a limited edition summer beer. Yummy. Citrusy. All right. So <clears throat> the almost interceptions. So the first one, the first one was some type of a blitz. I really, I'm trying to figure out how you get that all 22. Cause I really want to start watching all 22 to do film breakdowns versus just watching the TV camera angles. Cause there's only so much you can get for them. But it was some type of blitz cover two. So I'm guessing it was maybe like some kind of like fire zone cover two blitz. Anyway, so there's a blitz coming. I believe that they send five. And he tries hitting, I believe it was Warner. Warner was running like an out route. And there was an underneath defender. So obviously there was the defender behind Warner run any Warner was running, a, running an out route. Now Trey under pressure throws it and he throws it right to Warner. The only problem is that he doesn't see the underneath defender who's probably playing some type of like flat or cloud like underneath. And he recognized it because the receiver that he was covering had taken a different, had gone with like some type of in route so he no longer had to worry about his assignment. So he, as the lurking defender, realizes that Warner's coming up behind him, realizes Trey's going to throw the ball, undercuts it, and almost intercepts the ball. It literally bounces off of his fingertips. Could have been an interception. But either way, it wasn't. Uh, this is, again, just one of the things that you're going to have to learn from studying film, watching... Uh, your tape, learning the different defensive coverages. But it was some type of cover, too, where he had, like, a deep safety that he thought was the only guy covering Warner, and he didn't see the underneath defender uh, that was lurking there and almost picked him off. So that was the first almost interception. The second interception, he dropped back, 
He had a good amount of time there, and then he attempted a pass to Jawan Jennings over the middle, and Jawan Jennings was in double coverage. He was trying to fit it into a tight window, and the defender who was behind Jennings undercut Jennings and almost picked him off. Now, I will say, he didn't... Now, before I say this, he didn't have a chance to get to his third or fourth read, but his third or fourth read were open. And he should have realized, hey, that window there is a little bit too tight. I've got another, you know, quarter second or whatever. Let me check my other receivers because that window's too tight. And again, this is just... It's all a learning thing. None of none of these are negative, by the way. None of this stuff is negative. These are just learning things that he's going to learn from and hopefully not make these mistakes again. But again, he's played one game in like two years. This is the first time that he's played in basically two years because he had that one scrimmage last year. Other than that, he hasn't basically played since like January of 2020 when he won his national championship. So... I don't want to be too hard on the kid. He was really impressive. It was just a couple things that he's got to learn from, and that's okay. So, anyways, though, his first read, second read, he sees Jawan Jennings over the middle, tries to fit it in. The defender undercuts it, almost picks it off. If he would have waited another split second, he had River Craycraft open, and Craycraft was one running kind of like, I think it's called like a C route where basically it's like he come, he starts, he kind of runs in, up, and then out. And he was open on that route. And he had Charlie Warner open on that same side, which was the left side, open in the flat with about five or 10 yards worth of green in front of him. Again, he did, I was watched his helmet or his head in slow motion. He didn't have a chance to get to those reads, but learning moment be like hey cool i see jennings he's not quite open let me check over here to my next two reads because i still have protection again he had some time he wasn't under too much pressure he had just enough time that he could have got craycraft bam fire a rocket or hey you know there's there's warner in the flat let me check it down to him so again learning experience but those are the two almost interceptions. So overall, it was a solid first outing. I mean, honestly, the main thing I just wanted to see was, hey, what does this kid look like against an actual, against other NFL players? And he showed us all the traits that we wanted to see, the arm, the mobility. He needs to work a little bit on his pocket awareness. And then just those those couple little things, you know, like recognizing a blitz quicker. Um, you know, realizing when your left tackle has been beaten, you can step up into the pocket a little bit. You know, you don't have to keep dropping back. Um, don't try and fit it into tight windows. If you don't realize, be aware of the underneath lurking defenders. And also when your guy is in too tight of a window and you have time, go to your next read, check it down, get to your third or fourth read. So, a couple of learning things, but overall, it was so fun to watch him, and he was awesome. I just, uh, for those of you who didn't have a chance to watch the actual game, I wanted to give you as much detail as possible of what we saw from Trey. So, 
Whew, how are we doing on time here? Wow, I just spent like 35 minutes going over Trey. <laughs> Holy crap. Wow, all right, so um, next up, we're going to cover the rest of the team. So the defensive good, the offensive good, the defensive bad, the offensive bad. And then we're going to get out of here. So maybe it looks like this is going to be an hour-long pod. I'm going to try and speed up a little bit through these. Um, cool. So what was good on the offense? So first thing, obviously, Trent Sherfield, he was awesome. He only played nine snaps, uh, which is, I believe, about the same as Ayuk and Debo. They only played about eight or nine snaps, but it's all good. But what he did show was he showed, and the fact that they only put him in there for eight or nine snaps I think that means that they believe he's made the team as the wider four, uh, wide receiver four, and he showed what we wanted to see. He showed his strength and he showed his speed on that 80-yard touchdown pass. I mean, he was wide, wide open deep. He had he had two steps on the defender, and at the beginning of the route, he was getting like serious. He was getting jammed hard. So there's press and then there's jamming. Press is just like a tight alignment. Jamming is when they straight up just like shove you in their physical at the line. And you can only do that for the first five yards or so. But he was getting jammed really hard at the beginning of his route. But when he was able to eventually make that cut to the far side, he created a whole lot of separation. He, he had like two yards of separation, a whole two steps. So... I'm really excited to see what else we get from Sherfield. We're going to see, I'm sure, a lot more. But I think that with what he put on there, what he's been putting on in camp, and everything that we've been hearing, it sounds like he's a lock to make the team. And I think he's competing for wide receiver three with Muhammad Sanu. So him and Sanu are competing for that three and four. And I like them as a three and four. It makes me feel good. Next thing, Juwan Jennings. He looked good. He was open multiple times. He looks quicker than he did in college. One of the reasons why Jawan Jennings was so late picked up in the draft, we got him in the second round, was because he ran like a 4.72 at, uh, at the Combine. He looks faster this year. Also, his calling card in college, he's really hard to tackle, and he's a big guy with really good hands. So he's like 6'3", 210", 215-ish. Really good hands, doesn't drop the ball very much, and he's hard to tackle. He's just, it's not that he's elusive, he's just so big and strong that he just trucks guys and breaks tackles. So, Juwan Jennings, I like him. He looks good. Uh, I would, I think that if Jalen Hurd doesn't show us anything significant, like, Jalen Hurd is really going to have to show something if he wants to make this team because he hasn't had a good camp and he's been injured for two straight years. So he might just get cut straight out if he does. I think Jennings makes the team because he's had a good camp, even though he missed the first week. He looks good. He had two screens for 23 yards and a 26-yard catch. So if you count the screens as catches, that's three catches for almost 50 yards. That's awesome. Like That's exactly what you want in preseason for a guy who's going to be probably a wide receiver five. And he brings another big, strong slot. So I like that. Also, good. Jamichael Hasty. 
He was really fun to watch, and he was the most explosive runner. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to Sermon and Gallman, but they were not explosive on their runs. They looked meh, like just mediocre. Hasty is just like a powerful little... I, I don't know what to call like, I know there's like, you know, like the jitterbug or like the scat back, whatever you want to call it. He is compact and he is strong and he has balance and he just is like an energizer bunny where he's just like, go, 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 go. There was multiple plays where his knee got one inch off the ground and he just like caught his balance and just kept pushing, pushing, pushing. And he was so fun. Just fucking stop fumbling. Jeez. So, Hasty didn't seem to have a fumbling problem in college, but he had, I believe, two fumbles last year before he broke his collarbone, went to the IR, and he was really fun to watch last year. And this year, he had another fumble. And I think he's had a fumble or two in camp. Now, the fumbleitis, fumbleitis is curable. It is, it is, it is curable. So remember, Jeff Wilson Jr. used to have the fumbleitis, no longer has the fumbleitis. Now, with Sermon and Gallman looking mediocre in this game, and also with running back Elijah Mitchell having an abdominal strain that's in the bad category, he's going to be out two to three weeks. He should be back in time for the season, but Hasty on the outside looking in, he's looking like running back five on the depth chart, but how he played in this game was wide receiver two or three. And if he can just stop fumbling, he is going to be such a fun player to have as just like a change of pace, like scat back. So yeah, Jamichael Hasty was awesome. He was so fun to watch. Please go watch Excuse me. Please go watch the highlights because hashtag fun to watch. Jamichael Hasty. Also in the good offensive. Simba Webster. <laughs> Dude, I love this kid. I love this kid. He is a special teams gadget guy. So I, I don't know what his stats were coming out of college in terms of his combine, but he is fast and he is elusive. He's electric. That was what I, that was the word that came to my mind was electric. He's like 5'10", 180 pounds. He's got some dreadlocks coming down. And he is he freaking goes. He's so fast. He had a 43-yard kick return. He had a 34-yard end-around run. Good block by Hokit, by the way. Hokit looking solid as a backup fullback. And he had two 18-yard receptions. So again, you're getting a guy with three touches getting 50 plus yards. So that's, that's what I like. And obviously I don't make the depth chart, but with what I've seen so far, as far as like highlights out of camp, watching the game, hearing the reports, just like everything right now, I would say Ayuk, Debo are your one and two. Sanu uses your big slot. Sherfield, he's your number four. He can play outside if you want or inside. He's a special teams guy. You get Jawan Jennings as another big possession physical guy. And then Simba Webster, your wide, re wide receiver six and special teams guy. So, Ben, you've got a kick-ass special teams gunner. He's a returner. And if you need him on a few gadget plays, 34-yard end around, like, he can get some explosive returns. He's electric. He's awesome. So... I'm jumping on the Simba train. 
And Simba Webster, you're Mufasa now. <laughs> I think that's what Greg Papa said. He was like, Simba running like Mufasa. So Simba Webster, he was awesome. I love it. I want to see what he does. He might end up practice squad. But again, right now, if, if I was to choose my six receivers, everything that I've heard, all the reports, the film, everything so far today, Ayuk, Debo, Sanu, Sherfield, Jennings, Webster. Those are my six. I'm saying it now, August 15th. All right. Uh, some other guys. So PFF put out their best and worst offense and defense. So their PFF, again, it's not everything, but I do like PFF for... It's a good data point. And again, it provides just a little extra context. Obviously, it's not the be-all and end-all, and it's not 100%, but it does provide some context. They gave Sherfield a 92.5 on his nine snaps, which is elite. Colton McKivitz, they gave a 91.2 on his 49 snaps. So, really, cat? All right, here, one second. I got to take the cat's treadmill off. All right, and I'm back. Sorry, my, <laughs> my cat has a giant treadmill cat wheel, and she decided to start running on it. Anyways, where was I? Um, so yeah, PFF, they gave Colton McKivitz a 91.8. Now, I will say I didn't see Colton McKivitz getting beat really quick. Banks got beat really quick. He got a really bad score. Jalen Moore, they didn't bring up. He was solid most of the game. Um, yeah, so McKivitz, they gave him an elite grade on his 49 snaps, so... I'm going to have to go back and watch Colton McKivitz a lot closely, but that is interesting that they gave him such a good score. And Dakota Shepley, the backup center, he got an 82.9 on his 36 snaps. So, something interesting. Um, also graded as the best players, they gave Joshua Perkins, our tight end that we just signed like a week ago, his nine snaps, he got a 95.5, which is crazy elite. Uh, he had like three catches, I think, for like eight yards of catch or something. And he also, also Debo is in that top five with a 74.5 on his eight snaps, which is really good. So anyways, uh, that's the offensive good. Next, defensive good. Arden Key. Arden Key looked awesome. Number 98. He looked explosive and powerful and fast. He didn't get a whole lot of stats on his stat line, but he was disruptive and he was causing pressure and he looked really good. With how good he looked, he could legitimately be our like number three edge. Obviously we've got Bosa, we've got Ford. Uh, Ibukum has been out with a leg. They're hoping for him to be back tomorrow. Uh, but Arden Key looked freaking good and he's looked good in camp and I believe it. He's like 6'5". He's a former third round pick who prior to the draft was getting first round hype. Uh, something happened. He dropped. Then he went to the Raiders. Didn't play well there, but the Raiders coaching staff is trash. So he was really happy to get out of there. But Arden Key looked awesome. Uh, also, PFF gave Arden Key an 88.2. So again, elite. He only played 18 snaps. My guess is they put him out there and they were like, yeah, yeah, you look good. All right, you're good. You can come out now. We've, we've seen it in camp. Now we've seen it in the game. Arden Key is looking awesome. It's looking like he's making the team and we have a quality depth edge piece, which always good to have more depth 
And now we've got Bosa. We've got Ford, who in theory is healthy and by all reports should be playing this year. Bosa and Ford both should be ready by week one. We've got Ibukum, who's never missed a game. He's been dealing with some soreness, but he should be good to go. And he's the guy we brought in. And now we got Key. So we have two. We have a, a top five edge rusher. We have a really good speed ro- a speed rusher guy in Ford. And then behind that, we've got Ibukum and Key and their quality defensive end, especially at depth. And then behind that, we got Jordan Willis. And Jordan Willis wasn't incredible this game. We'll get to him. But yeah, Arden Key. Awesome. Uh, next really good guy, Lenore. Oh my gosh. So Diamador Lenore, he looked awesome out there. He started that game and played the basically the entire game. PFF gave him a 79.6 on 48 snaps. That's really good, by the way. Uh, 79, that, like basically 80 is considered elite. So he was borderline elite this game, and he was playing like it. He was in tight coverage. He was aggressive. He was confident. Um, Crocker would say he like he's got swag or whatever, but he was just he was awesome all game. I would I would say he right now is our cornerback four. Uh, you know, obviously we've got we've got Verrett, we've got Mosley, counting Kawan in the slot. He's number three, number four. Lenore, dude, he was awesome this game. He had the interception off of a tipped ball, which I know he didn't like intercept it and it bounced off the guy's hands, but just having the awareness of like seeing the ball hit the receiver's hands, him not catch it and be able to catch it and come down with it. It was awesome. Lenore was awesome. He played basically the whole game and he was borderline lockdown. And I've been saying the whole time that I'd prefer to him be on the slot, but dude, he was really good on the outside. And I know Kansas city wasn't playing their starters the entire game, but he played basically the entire game and he was pretty much locking down everyone. Lenore. Awesome. Also awesome. Talanoa Hafunga. Dude, this kid is a heat seeking tackling machine. Heat seeking missile. He had multiple stops and he is a hard downhill hitter. He's got really good pursuit angles. There was multiple, there was a couple stops that he had where the another guy missed a tackle. He just comes downhill and bam, flattens a guy and pushes him back a yard or two. Hafunga was awesome. He had a special teams play where he had a special teams tackle on a really good like kickoff uh, play where he made the tackle. Just Hafunga was awesome. I. I know he only ran a 4-7, but fuck is he awesome. <laughs> I'm I'm on the Hafunga train. He's got awareness, he's got pursuit angles, he's a hard hitter, and he loves the game, and I love it. He he is making this team and he is gonna be fighting for a safety spot. So Hafunga was awesome. I love it. Also, when you watch 53 Griffith. He looks freaking huge on the field. Jonas Griffith, he was an undrafted rookie last year. He looked huge, he was fast, and he was playing really well. He had multiple tackles. He had two uh, two pass breakups or two defended passes, and he looked good. 
I think that he is making the case as for Sam. So our Sam has been Aziz Al-Shair. Now Aziz is out, but he's reportedly looking good as far as coming back. I think Jonas Griffith and him are fighting for the starting Sam backer position. And with how good he looks, it makes me feel good about our linebacker depth because it was like, you know, Fred Warner and Greenlaw. And then after that, I didn't feel quite as good. But, dude, Griffith looked awesome. And if Aziz looks really good in a week or two and he comes back ready to go, I think we've got four quality linebackers. And that's before we even get to Marcel Harris, James Burgess, etc. So Griffith was awesome. Uh, also, a couple other players that I got to mention. So, again, PFF, their top five. Arden Key was number one defensive graded player with an 88.2. Eddie Yarbo, so defensive end Yarbo, we picked him up like a week into training camp. Dude, he is firing off the edge and he was good. He was creating a lot of pressure. He looked really good at defensive end. He was also graded an 85 on his 35 snaps. So that's very good. And he looked really good. He just, he kept popping off of the film. So Eddie Yarbo, I think we've got some competition there for defensive end depth. I don't know if he makes the team. Because, again, he's probably like the fifth or sixth edge defender. But, again, it's really nice to have quality edge depth. Also, Elijah Sullivan, I didn't see a whole lot of him. I saw him make a couple tackles. But they gave Elijah Sullivan an 81.1 grade on 24 snaps. Diamandro Lenore got the 79. And Jared Maiden. I've mentioned him last time, if you remember. I was like, I like this kid. I've heard some good things. He got the fifth best defensive grade on 59 snaps, and he was playing safety. Uh, so him and Hafunga played safety most of the game, and also Nakawa came in. He's in my bad category. I want him cut. Uh, but Jared Maiden, with how many injuries are on the team, Jared Maiden has a a legit outside an outside chance to make the team. And I think a lot of the linebacker and safety questions is going to come down to how many they keep of each. Do they keep four linebackers and five safeties? Do they keep five linebackers and four safeties? Do they kind of have like a hybrid? Is Marcel Harris kind of like the fifth of each? And with the injuries, it's just interesting. But Jared Maiden played very well. I didn't see him making any mistakes. And that's a good thing. You want you want a safety that's not making mistakes. I also pulled up his PFF uh, guide. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, is that it? No, that's not it. Yeah, maybe I don't have it open. Um, oh, here we go. PFF, Jared Maiden, safety out of Alabama, 2020, undrafted. Six foot, 205. And his college grade, he finished his college season with, his 2019 season, with a 78.7 grade, which is not bad. Uh, So he was above average coverage, above average run defense, and overall just solid. Again, undrafted guy. It's his second year, but if I had a choice between him and Nakawa, I would take Maiden any day. So Jared Maiden, I'll be rooting for him. Again, I think he's on the outside looking in. He's. I really hope if he doesn't make the team, he makes our practice squad because we got to have safety depth with the injuries, tart with the toe, 
Um, yeah, because Tart's out with the toe. Shanahan doesn't sound too enthusiastic about when he's going to come back. Uh, we've got... Um, who is the guy that we brought in who's... Yeah, anyways, went on IR. Tony Jefferson. Um, we just picked up Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Um, you know, I mean... We, we've had a whole lot of injuries at safety. That seems to be the position that's getting injured a lot this year. So, yeah, we'll see. But outside chance to make the team. Uh, Justin Hilliard, undrafted rookie out of Ohio. He had eight tackles. And the final guy I'll give a shout-out to is Alex Barrett. So Alex Barrett, defensive end, uh, he had one tackle for a loss and a sack. And he was also, again, playing really well on the edge. So we had three really good edge players today. So that was the defensive good. Arden Key, Diamador Lenore, Talanoa Funga, Jonas Griffith, Yarbo, Barrett, Sullivan, Maiden, Hillier. Those are the guys that stood out on defense in a good way. Now, offense. Who was bad? Richie James. I already told you, I'm done with Richie James. He was zero catches on two targets, a bad drop that would have been a first down, and he's not good on special teams. I'm done with him. He was a seventh round pick three years ago. He's had three years to try and do it. This is his fourth year on his rookie deal. I'm done with him. Cut him. We have better guys. I'd much rather have Simba and Jawan Jennings than fucking Richie James. I'm done with him. He's on my bad list. I want him cut. Also, Travis Benjamin, he was 0 for 4. 0 for 4. He had four targets. He caught zero of them. So I'm done with him. I didn't think that he was going to have very much left in the tank anyways because he's like a 10th-year player whose key was like speed, and he just looks done. He's not explosive anymore. He, he looked so skinny. My girlfriend, I showed her what he looked like, and she was like, oh, my God, he looks... He looks so skinny. He doesn't look good. I I just think he's done. I think he's at that point in his career where it's time to... Again, he had some really good years. He had a career. I just don't think that he has any chance of making the team, special teams, wide receiver six. Just no. 0 for 4. Done. Sorry. Bye-bye, Travis Benjamin. Also bad. The interior offensive line, specifically Aaron Banks. Aaron Banks was terrible. I think I'm going to have to watch some more of the interior offensive line because there was getting a whole lot of pressure on the interior offensive line, but Kansas City was also blitzing a lot, and I think it was mostly Aaron Banks getting beaten as well as Dan Brunskill um, because I didn't see any particularly bad reps. I didn't see McKivitz get beat for a sack or Shepley get beat for a sack. What I saw was I saw Banks got beat, uh, let me go back to these uh, the sacks that were there. So Chris Jones beat Brunskill. Uh, Jalen Moore got beat outside. Banks got beat. And then the other one where he took a sack was they blitzed six. And, I mean, you only have five defenders, so I can't really complain too much on that one. Um, so, yeah, just Aaron Banks, not good. There was, again, there was some plays where he looked good and he looked like he did in college, which was big guy who just walls off a defender and he had some good plays he also had some bad reps where he got beat really badly and he got injured I don't know what happened exactly 
But Shanahan said today that Banks had injured. He's got a shoulder injury. They expect him to be out two to three weeks. Hopefully it's just a mild shoulder strain and he's able to come back and be ready for the season. But the really bad thing about that is this means now that our right guard is still very weak. Because when we drafted Banks, he was a top 50 pick. And what I was thinking is awesome. We picked this kid. He's a top 50 pick. He should be able to start week one and be an upgrade. And then Dan Brunskill can be our sixth offensive lineman who backs up everybody. Instead, we got Brunskill, who's okay, but he's more of, again, a backup everything utility lineman versus a starting right guard. He's now our starting right guard, and we don't have a good right guard backup. Unless McKivitz. I mean, according to PFF, McKivitz was elite this game, so... Who knows? Maybe McKivitz plays right guard next week and he looks really good again. Maybe he ends up earning the right guard spot. Either way, though, bad Aaron Banks. He was actually graded one of the worst players. PFF gave him a 29. That's like, that's horrid. That's like the worst grade. They gave a 0 to 100. That's like an F minus. So anyways, Banks, bad. Also out two to three weeks with a shoulder. Should be healthy by week one, but he's not starting. And I don't know if he's going to play very much. Uh, on our offensive line this year because, again, like if he played that badly and then he gets hurt, yeah, we'll see. So I really hope that he's not a bust this year, but not a good game for him and not good for his preseason. Also bad. Um, this really bummed me out because I was really excited to watch Austin Watkins, and then I didn't see him all game. Apparently what happened, he broke his foot on one of the first couple plays of the game, and he tried to play on it, and he just he couldn't. So apparently Austin Watkins broke his foot. He's going to be out six to eight weeks. What that sounds like to me is PUP, injured reserve, stash. So, you know, kind of stash a guy on the injured reserve for the year or practice squad. I don't know what they're going to do with him. I was really excited to watch him. Unfortunately, this means we're going to get no preseason film of Watkins. If I was going to guess... I would guess that they're going to try and stash him on the IR or they're going to put him on pup for now. And then if he's not ready by the time the season starts and they haven't, and they've already decided on who the receivers are, they're going to try and stash him on IR and maybe have him around next year. So either way, it's just a bummer because I really wanted to watch Austin Watkins, but he broke his foot really early. Didn't get a chance to see anything with him and he's going to be out for, the rest of the preseason, probably the first month of the season. So, yeah. Also a bummer, Elijah Mitchell. He was a surprise not play. We found out, um, I think, day of that he wasn't going to play. And apparently he had an ab strain and he's going to be out two or three weeks. And again, that's a bummer because I really want to see Elijah Mitchell. I still think he makes the team. He should be healthy in time for the season to start. And I still think that he has a chance for special teams and as a running back four. So my guess is he makes the team and they have him inactive for the first couple weeks. And then they bring him on as a special teamer and emergency running back. So again, Elijah Mitchell, that's a bummer. Also offensive bad, Josh Rosen. Um, Josh Rosen is Josh Rosen. He's got a good arm, but he's not a good quarterback. He has no anticipation. He makes dumb throws. He threw an idiotic interception. They played him a lot, too. They gave him basically the entire second half. Trey played two snaps in the second half. 
and Rosen was Rosen. So, yeah, Rosen was like, I think, 10 of 15 with an interception, no touchdown. So, you know, Josh Rosen's Josh Rosen. Uh, I'm curious to see if Sudfeld plays the majority of next game or how they're going to do it because they gave Rosen a lot of snaps uh, and we got no Sudfeld. All right, and finally, the defensive bad. Kai Nakawa, cut him. I don't like him. I never have. I never thought he was good. He was he was bad. He had he was bad. He had one pass breakup, which was cool, but at the same time, if he didn't break up the pass, I think it was Webster was also in coverage and he could have broken it up. So eh, you know, I guess. But fuck. The instant that he came in, I was like, oh geez, it's it's Nakawa or Nakua. I was like, no. And then he missed a tackle on a guy. He literally missed the tackle. He totally freaking whiffed a guy. And then also, on the last touchdown of the game by Kansas City, the QB, I forget who Kansas City's quarterback is, but he does a zone read, and they crash on the running back. So he pulls it. Fucking Kai Nakawa misses the tackle by five feet. What are you freaking doing? Like, you know if the quarterback hands off, he's going to be here. Why are you six feet over that way? And then when you see the quarterback run, you're like, oh, crap. And then you fall on your face. Like, duh. Like, I'm sick. I'm done with Nakua. I don't want him. I don't like him. Again, I would much rather have the other safety. Um... Yeah, I would much rather have the other safety, Jared Maiden. Maiden over Nakua any day, period. Cut Nakua. I don't want him. We've got too many other safeties for him to be freaking on the team and playing. I don't want him. Also, a bummer, Ambry Thomas. He didn't play all that well. Um, He was playing very soft. He was playing a lot of off coverage. He didn't look very confident, I want to see him be more aggressive at the catch point. And PFF did give him a bad grade on his 44 snaps. They gave him a 43.2, which is bad. Uh, He got beat once or twice, and he was also just in such soft, over-the-top coverage, which I don't know why, because he's got the speed and the length. Um, I don't know what's going on, but he just he didn't look confident. I want to see him be more aggressive at the catch point because he was basically just giving up underneath catches and then diving for tackles. And I know that Ambry has the physical ability because we saw it on his college tape. He was really good in his season that he played. So I don't know what's going on, but I expect him to play better. I just want to see him be more aggressive and confident. Like Diamador, he was like, I'm going to lock you down. You're not catching shit. Ambry was like, I'm going to play soft and then I'll tackle you. And then he wasn't even tackling that good. So I hope Ambry uh, picks it up. But again, you know, rookie, first preseason game ever. I'm not going to have like an instant react and say cut him or whatever because he's still got a legit chance to develop into a good player. I think he just needs some experience and a little bit of confidence. So we'll see. Um, Some other bad on the defensive side Kevin Givens and Darian Daniels I didn't really see too much from them uh Kerr looked good he had a couple good plays 
Uh, Maurice Hurst looks solid on his rotations. Uh, but Givens and Daniels, I just didn't really see anything from them, and they got bad PFF grades. Givens got a 29.9, and Daniels got a 42.7, which is strange because Kevin Givens has apparently been really good in camp, and he also had some really good plays last year. So I don't really know what's going on with that. Hopefully he bounces back next week. Also, B.W. Webb, he had like one good play, and then he had a terrible, terrible rep where he gave up a touchdown. He was in man coverage. I don't know what happened. Um, but the guy ended up beating him by two or three steps. He had like a full like two yards of separation wide open in the end zone. I don't know what happened with B.W. Webb, but it was not good to give up that touchdown. And yeah, you got to be badly, but you know, he's, he's like an eight year veteran. He's probably just manning our backup slot. I don't think he's going to actually make the team. He was just not good. So anyways, BW web. Um, yeah, so that's all the defensive bad. Also special teams were bad. Uh, Simba Webster looks awesome. He looks electric. I love him. Hafunga on special teams. Love him. So between Simba, Hafanga, and Sherfield, our special teams should be an upgrade this year. Also, Elijah Mitchell. I know if he comes back healthy, he was working as a gunner. Cool. Uh, some other miscellaneous things. Uh, I mentioned Jimmy was Jimmy. He was three for three with four total air yards. Uh, Hokit. Hokit looked like a pretty good fullback. He was playing that use check role. He was playing... Uh, fullback basically the entire game when they had a fullback in he was in there and he was solid he had a couple really good blocks and he had a couple catches so yeah I think I don't think he's making the team again he's not making the team chances of that happening extremely low um, but again keep him on the practice squad and keep developing him we've got use check signed for multiple years so I don't know if we're ever going to actually sign him but if use check gets hurt I do like the idea of being able to bring up Hokit from the practice squad for a game or two if we need him. Uh, Wayne Gallman and uh, Trey Sermon, they were both okay. Sermon had a couple impressive plays where he like pushed a pile, broke a tackle or two, but they were only they were both only getting like two and a half yards a carry. Um, so that was not really that good. Sermon had the fumble, which I hate to see. Something was bothering his hand. I think he had like a shoulder sting or something, and then he fumbled. So please don't fumble anymore, Sermon. Uh, the good news is they did catch all their passes. So I know they got checked down to a couple times. Uh, Gallman caught his one check down pass, and Sermon caught two. So that's good. Jordan Willis. Uh, I... Again, last episode, I came out and was like, holy crap, like all of a sudden we're hearing all this good news about Jordan Willis. Jordan Willis didn't look incredible this game. He played a lot, uh, and PFF didn't give him a good or a bad grade. I don't know what they gave him because he wasn't in the top or the bottom. He looked very inconsistent off the snap. Uh, he looks powerful. Like, he looks really strong out there, and he is a big, strong defensive end. He's... I want to say like 6'4", 270, and he was one of those like fast, strong, like straight line power players. Um, but I want to see him explode off of the snap. There was a couple plays where it was like he hesitated. So it was like they snapped and he was like, oh, oh, oh okay, go. So I don't know what that is, but that split second, he should just be, pow, exploding off of the ball into the tackle because he's a powerful guy, and I want to see him, like, 
push that tackle backwards and crush that edge. Um, but I just didn't see that. It looked like they were trying to use him on some stunts. So not really sure what was really going on with Willis. He played a lot. Um, he just he looked inconsistent off the snap, and they were trying to do a whole lot of. It seemed like they were trying to. He was trying to read the play versus just fire off the line. So that's my Jordan Willis take. Uh, tight end Jordan Matthews. Eh, he had a couple good blocks, a couple bad blocks. He's a good receiver, you know. Um, I don't think he's making the team. Cool story. Um, you know, putting on 30, 25 pounds, going to tight end university, converting to tight end. I dig it. Um, I just think he's on the outside looking in and they expect to get Michael Pruitt back this week, which is good news. Cause he was going to be like our tight end number three or four behind Dwelly and Kittle. So if he's back and we've got Warner who played a lot and he was solid, then Matthews is probably tight end five and he's on the outside looking in. Also last, just kind of miscellaneous thing. Jalen Moore played basically the entire game at left tackle. That's really good for experience. And it's really good that he's getting a lot of film, a lot of game reps on tape that he can learn from. He was mostly okay. He had that one very, very bad rep that led to the sack. But I mean, for a fifth round rookie to come in and play the entire game at left tackle, not bad. You know, like he's got potential He's competing for a swing tackle job, and I feel okay about it. Like, I'm not super enthusiastic, but the fact that he played the entire game and he only had that one really bad rep, positive, you know? So, yeah, Jalen Moore, we'll, we'll see what else we get from him. Whew. <sighs> All right, so I hope that you enjoyed my very, very long... <laughs> hour and 20 minute breakdown of the game. Uh, this is going to be an exciting week. This week, we've got a couple more practices. So first thing is that Tuesday, they've got to cut five players. I think I've already mentioned who I want gone. <laughs> cut Richie James, Kai Nakua, Travis Benjamin. Um, yeah. So anyways, a couple guys. Um, but yeah, they're going to cut five players. They got to cut down to 85 for Tuesday. They've got a couple practices and then they have joint practices with the chargers this week. I believe that that is the, let's see here. I think they play, I think they play on the 19th and then the joint practice is Tuesday, the 17th, but either way, they've got a joint practice with the chargers. So that'll be fun. And then we have another preseason game. And actually, let me double check that right here. So I'm giving you the right information. So we've got week two of preseason. Uh, wow, I'm totally wrong. So they actually play Sunday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific. So one week from today. Uh, or I guess a week from now because you're probably listening to this Monday. But yeah, so Sunday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific. That's 7.30 Eastern time. They're playing the Chargers. And I think that means that on Thursday, the 19th, they're going to have a joint practice with the Chargers, which should be good. So, yeah, we'll have a whole bunch more to talk about. Um, I'm definitely going to have a reaction podcast and I am going to have probably a preview podcast. So we'll have some training camp. I will do a preview of what we're looking for in the game and then we'll have a reaction. So I'll probably have my preview pod 
uh, coming out Friday or Saturday. So look for those. <sighs> football is back, baby. We got football. We got a quarterback. We got some good. We got some bad. We got some things to look forward to. It's an exciting time. Preseason's here. The season is approaching. Like, subscribe, comment, share to your friends, tell everybody. Hope you have a kick-ass day. I will catch you later.